Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Remember this feeling. Remember, rem- see, you got to remember this feeling. This is very important. Remember this feeling. This is what a bad week looks like for fantasy football, for DFS, across the board. Just remember this feeling. When Derrick Henry smashes every other running back's face in, when the big dog eats in the shootout we love most, in this case, Cowboys Chargers, when that doesn't fire, when those two things come together, when they intersect, that's when you have a catastrophic week. That's when it, it doesn't go well. That's when things go sideways. Just remember this feeling because we're going to have some great feelings. This, this entire season is going to be filled with successes and exhilaration. Just, just sink into this. Just sink into it. Just remember it. This is how it goes bad. When the shootouts don't hit and the big dog eats. And I was particularly surprised that this Cowboys-Chargers game didn't hit because, remember, Demarcus Lawrence was out. He broke his foot. So it was game on, right? It was game on for Justin Herbert. And if Justin Herbert, like Tom Brady the week prior, can go out and be prolific, well, then that's going to force Dak to do the same. And, And Dak wasn't forced to do the same. They were able to just hand it off to Elliott, hand it off to Pollard, hand it off to Elliott, hand it off to Pollard, and it just drags the game into the mud, and then and, 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 and we, didn't, we, didn't, we didn't get what we wanted. Demarcus Lawrence was out, but I would say that it was very important for the Cowboys that Trayvon Diggs was in. That's, that's a takeaway. That's the first takeaway. Trayvon Diggs is good. Trayvon Diggs is probably going to spend some time in the top 10 cornerbacks this year. I think that that's his destiny. I think he's destined to be a top 10 cornerback in the league. That's takeaway number one. Think about what Trayvon Diggs has done. Just think about it. Week one, what does he do? Shuts down Mike Evans, right? And then week two, he holds Keenan Allen to a 50% catch rate and he has to get there on volume, but not efficiency. So he made Keenan Allen for the, one of the first times in Keenan Allen's career, look inefficient, be inefficient. So if you're going to shut down Mike Evans and then you're going to constantly force Keenan Allen into a situation where he's delivering the bare minimum, well, you're doing your job, man. You're doing your job. And the Cowboys go out and they, they've just been stockpiling defenders. It's been more noticeable because we had hard knocks and we could see how good Micah Parsons is. But you see all these moves where they're just they're just – piling assets, spending draft picks into the secondary where it's, oh, we're going to sign Malik Hooker. We're going to draft Micah Parsons in the top 15. We're going to draft Trayvon Diggs the year prior in the second round, even though he looked like a first rounder on paper. Already we have Randy Gregory and Demarcus Lawrence, one of the best pass rushing duos in the league. Now suddenly, wait, we're, we have great playmakers at every position. At every unit. So the defense can't be bad 
if you have playmakers headlining every unit of the defense, right? It's not possible. They're, they're going to be better than advertised. And certainly the Cowboys, they advertise this defense on hard knocks. We took it with a grain of salt, but it turns out, no, it's actually just great. They've just been piling resources, devoting them to the defense, and it's paying off. So, con I mean, congratulations. How about them Cowboys, right? I mean, it's just congratulations to them. And no, some of you are thinking Tony Pollard dance party. I don't think so. I, I think it was great what we got from Tony Pollard, but not quite dance party level. We'll talk about Tony Pollard a little bit more in the show. There's more where that came from. So I'm going to hold, I think there's more where that came from, from Tony Pollard. I'm going to hold back the dance party. We have one dance party. We have one shot, one opportunity to seize everything we ever wanted with Tony Pollard. <laughs> Eight mile. What am I doing? So we have one dance party opportunity. I don't, this does not quite reach dance party, but we're close, right? We I had messages on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash podfather on social media. This feels like a Tony Pollard dance party week. Not really. Not really. He, it was just a pleasant surprise. You look up and he blasts past 20 fantasy points. Like, oh, wow. Zeke was playing, and yet Pollard was in there catching passes and scoring touchdowns. The next thing you know, he's at 20 fantasy points. Oh, that's that's a pleasant surprise. That's nice. That's nice. Nice isn't dance party, though, right? Nice is not, no. I, soon. I'm telling you, soon. But there's a larger problem here, which is disappointing, and I'm trending wrong. I'm trending wrong. I said that there's a new NFC South. Right, you don't want the NFC South. It was last year, just last couple of years, tilting our investments to the NFC South, where we're drafting players in the NFC South. We're drafting Buccaneers and Saints and Panthers and Falcons, and we just we want all these games. We want all these players, right? We just whenever they match up with each other, you want to play these teams. And you look up this year and you see Saints, Panthers, and it's no good. Right, so we thought it would just be low scoring across the board, but as it turns out, oh, wait, maybe it's possible Sam Darnold's not actually bad. So I'm open to the possibility he's not bad. I still think that when we look up and the season's over, he'll be a below average quarterback, but he's looking better than we thought he would be. So, And that's great news for DJ Moore. It's not great news for Terrace Marshall. It's not great news for who the fuck was drafting Robbie Anderson this year. Who is this person, right? We weren't even drafting much DJ Moore because the opportunity cost of DJ Moore was Tyler Lockett and Cooper Cup. Sorry. Not sorry, actually. Happy to draft uh, Cooper Cup and Tyler Lockett over DJ Moore. So, still not Robbie Anderson. The answer was never Robbie Anderson. Like, that was just, no. And why? Why? Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey is this drag on all the other wide receivers. If he's going to be commanding 7 to 10 targets a game, where do those targets come from? Do those targets just magically appear? Like That's that's a takeaway. Christian McCaffrey drags down the receivers in that passing game, especially the number 2 and number 3. Not sorry, okay? I don't have a lot of Robbie Anderson especially. I have some uh, Terrace Marshall, especially in Dynasty. Love DJ Moore, but not Robbie Anderson. Get out of here. I'm happy to see Robbie Anderson went under. So while the lineup genius lineups did not hit, 
in a way we wanted this week. The underdog pick'em certainly did. Underdogfantasy.com, promo code underworld. Underdogfantasy.com, promo code underworld. We killed the pick'ems, right? It was just one after another, like Robbie Anderson under, Andy Dalton under. It was just too easy this week. It was, it was great. So very happy that the unders and the overs hit on the underdog pick'em. That, that's the thing to do. Like, I just love having exposure to all these different types of contests. So maybe my dynasty leagues perform well. Maybe my seasonal leagues. Maybe my best ball leagues do. Maybe this is the week for DFS. Maybe this is the week for pick'em. It's going to be a week for one of these things. This week happened to be pick'em because there was just there was a lot of exploitable pick'ems on underdog. There are most weeks, so keep checking back. The DFS Dominator, we have the top 10 pick'ems. We went from top five in week one to top 10 because there were so many good ones. When I was, you know what? Let's, let's put 10 out there. And Robbie Anderson receptions under was the, the easiest, one of the easiest ones. It was, there was a lot of easy ones, right? Andy Dalton under, that was easy. A lot of easy ones. The Carolina Panthers are going to be a good defensive team because they have two good corners. I think J.C. Horn is the real deal. Remember, the Panthers drafted J.C. Horn over Justin Fields and Mac Jones. Now, now, passing on Mac Jones is going to be a mistake, right? It's looking like Mac Jones is going to be better than Zach Wilson. We'll talk about that in a little bit. That's another big takeaway. But, hey, we called it. Oh, 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 but Zach Wilson, he has mobility. Oh, but Zach Wilson, we'll talk about it in a minute. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> we'll get to that, right? But when you have Dante Jackson and J.C. Horn on our cornerback rankings, we have the player rankings, which is dynasty rankings, seasonal rankings, weekly rankings, but also cornerback rankings. And in the cornerback rankings, uh, Dante Jackson's going to be top 30. J.C. Horn might be top 20. So if you have two top 30 corners, it's going to be very difficult for Jameis Winston. It's going to be very difficult for oh, Zach Wilson the week prior. Zach Wilson did absolutely nothing for three quarters. So he had a couple touchdowns to Corey Davis late, but that was it. I think eventually we're going to look up, and this is going to be a problem for Sam Darnold. One of the problems with Sam Darnold, one of the problems for Robbie Anderson this year, Robbie Anderson's fucked on so many levels because I think Sam Darnold is still not as good as people think. I know now everyone's like, yeah, told you so. Joe Brady fixed him. I don't think Joe Brady fixed him. We'll see, right? We'll see. I'm open to it. I'm open to Sam Darnold just being better than advertised and better than I thought he was. But I'm not open to Joe Brady fixing him. I'm sure there's other reasons why. I think the reasons why Sam Darnold's going to look a lot better this year is because, at least more efficient, is because DJ Moore's awesome, Christian McCaffrey's awesome, and Terrace Marshall's awesome, and Robbie Anderson is functional and good at what he does. So when you have three good receivers and the best satellite back in the league, you're going to look better than you did in New York, regardless of who the coach is. Like, it's not a... Brady versus Gase reason underlying Sam Darnold looking better. It's that his supporting cast is a lot better. But I think what's going to end up happening is that the volume's not going to be there because this Carolina defense is just too good. So just pull back the reins on the enthusiasm for the Panthers offense and Sam Darnold. And the reason is the defense. Same thing with Jameis Winston. Same thing with... Uh, a number of these teams that have good defenses, you get caught in these games where you have two good defenses and the game conditions just deteriorate 
and Jameis Winston never gets going. This That's what happens. That's just what's going to happen, and that's the new NFC South. It's sad. It's sad. The NFC South is not what it used to be, and it's sad that the NFC East is not what I thought it was. So that's another takeaway. I'm, I, I, I'm bummed, right, that the NFC East is not what we thought it was. The Eagles' defense looks a hell of a lot better than anyone expected, holding San Francisco under 20 points and absolutely shut Matt Ryan down in a way that even Tampa didn't this week. So the Eagles have a better defense than we thought. The Cowboys have a better defense than we thought. The Giants' defense is average. And we knew that Washington would have a good defense. So it's just maybe Washington is the worst defense of all because at least they have a bad secondary. Or at least we know Washington's secondary is below average. But I was expecting a lot more fireworks and some truly horrific defensive performances from these NFC East teams. And that's just not manifesting. And fuck, right? Like that was a big case for, for going all in on these Cowboys. Players like Miles Sanders, players like Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin. These are players you're targeting because they're in the NFC East. And if this division is just not good enough to offset the, the quality defenses, then we're not going to have the shootouts in this division that we thought we would. And that's a bummer. That's uh, that, that's uh, just uh, it's a takeaway. It's a, take, it's, it's a, it's, it's a stinky Stinky takeaway. What are you going to do, right? The same is true for the AFC East. The AFC East defenses are above average across the board, except for the Jets. Buffalo is one of the best defenses in the league, right? Look, they shut out the Dolphins. And no, it's Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett's one of the best backup quarterbacks in the league. They still, Buffalo shut them out, right? They, they throttled the Steelers' offense as well. This is a problem, man. Look at, look at what the, the Patriots did. I know it's Zach Wilson, and, and he's probably not that good. Him and his mom, overrated. But this is another division. Like any East division, NFC East, AFC East, these defenses not allowing the shootouts to manifest. It's, God damn it. It's really, it's really a bummer. I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed in the... NFC East more than the AFC East because I wasn't not like we were trying to invest in AFC East assets. We wanted NFC East players, and if if, if both of these divisions are going to be low scoring, it's not good. And but the takeaway here is Josh Allen is going to be affected by the Buffalo defense being significantly better in 2021 than it was in 2022. That's a takeaway. That's the takeaway. You're like, oh, what's wrong with Josh Allen? Nothing's wrong with Josh Allen. Josh Allen's the same guy he was before. Josh Allen just doesn't have to play well for them to win. Like, the Buffalo defense was laid low last year by injuries. It was just disappointing performances and injuries to key players. And Josh Allen had to go out and score 35 points in order for them to win. And he did. Right? It was great. They, they don't need to ask him to do that anymore. Right? He was already trying to take care of the football more in year three. In year four, he's going to continue to try to take care of the football and not take nearly as many chances. And that's why you look up and Josh Allen's just 200 yards, two touchdowns. What? This is You're going to expect more of the same from this. Josh Allen and Dak Prescott have their ceilings capped if Dallas and Buffalo 
are quality defenses. If these are both above-average defenses and the Buffalo's looking like a top-five defense, then that caps the ceiling for Josh Allen and less, but also Dak Prescott, just like Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger is washed. Like, I was right. Redeemed, right? Redeemed in week two. The Podfather redeemed. So both the Eagles and the Steelers lost. So you know Anand and I are going to have a decision point show. We were waiting. We were hiding. We were hiding under the desk. Like, Anand and I were hiding under the desk after both Pittsburgh and Philadelphia looked good in week one. We were just hiding under desks. We were like, we're not doing a show after week one. We'll wait. We'll wait. Sure enough, Steelers lose. Eagles lose. Anand's like, we need to do a show. Yeah, we'll do a decision point this week. But Pittsburgh, their offense has a multifaceted dilemma in that the defense is good, right? The defense is great. And Ben Roethlisberger stinks. So you just this is why we weren't investing in Juju and Claypool. Forget it. Maybe, maybe Najee Harris gets the checkdowns, gets all the carries, gets all the green zone carries and touches, and he's a guy you can actually use. And turns out Najee Harris was good, right? Najee Harris got the targets in week two. We're very happy with that. That's an important takeaway. Ben Roethlisberger will be checking it down. The immobile Ben Roethlisberger with the weak arm, we'll be checking it down to Najee Harris. That's been confirmed. That's an important takeaway. Precisely five targets for Najee Harris. Five for five for 43 yards and a touchdown. So Najee Harris posted 15 fantasy points just in the passing game. And this was the case for drafting Najee Harris in the second round. This is why I said go trade for him. You're welcome. But this Pittsburgh defense is very good because just because they got beat by the Raiders on a long touchdown to Ruggs doesn't mean your defense is bad. Any defense is susceptible to getting beat for a long touchdown by a wide receiver that runs a 4-2-5. Like, that's not a big deal. That's not a cause for concern. It's going to happen. They didn't bracket cover him because they weren't worried about him, and he he finds a way to, to get loose deep. Derek Carr connects with him. Derek Carr's better than advertised, and then they, you lose. That's the, That's the difference in the game. I also think that the Ravens are still a good defense. I think that they did the thing that you have to do against the Chiefs, which is to take away their best option. And I respect the hell out of that. That was a great game plan to take away Tyreek Hill. And that's the problem with wide receivers is that at any given game, they can be taken away by a defense that wants to shade all the coverage in their direction and just constantly bracket them. They got a defender in front of them. They got a defender behind them. Where, where can I go? What can I do? Catch a screen pass. Maybe that's it. That's all Tyree Kill can do. That's the danger. That's why wide receivers are so volatile week to week because you run into different game plans. That's why it's so difficult for wide receivers to be consistent. When you look up and you see, oh, a wide receiver was consistent this year. Consistency is fluky. Volatility, week to week volatility for wide receivers is the norm. Now, it just so happens that we're getting consistent great performances from Tyler Lockett and Cooper Cup, but we didn't get that from Tyler Lockett last year. He was the most volatile wide receiver in the league last year. This year, he's consistently awesome. Welcome to the world of wide receivers for fantasy football. So the AFC North, AFC East, they're both just very challenging. And, and that's part of why... Zach Wilson looks so bad. He goes against one of the best secondaries now in the NFL, in the Carolina Panthers, and then another great secondary 
in the New England Patriots. You might say, oh, well, he's a rookie. You got to excuse it away. We'll see, right? We'll see. Because Zach Wilson never faced a good defense in college. This was why we liked Mac Jones more, right? This is why we've been touting Mac Jones, and I don't have any Zach Wilson, because I know what Mac Jones is. And the idea that if you had the second pick in the draft, that you would select a black box quarterback where you've never seen him play a good defense. It's so irresponsible for the Jets front office to go with that guy. When you had Mac Jones there, if you really want this archetype of player, just go Mac Jones. If you're not going to go with super mobility, Konami code quarterback, okay, then go Mac Jones. Why are you, what are you trying to prove going Zach Wilson? Why? You're trying to prove that your evaluators are the best evaluators in the league, that they can watch him throw against South Carolina State and in drills and in, at his pro day, and that's going to be enough that they know how he's going to react when he's pressured, when his receivers aren't open. How does he find a way to matriculate the ball downfield to sustain drives? Well, we saw Mac Jones how he does it. He teardrops it in to James White. He finds a way to use Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. He finds a way. Mac Jones finds a way. So far, Zach Wilson isn't finding a way. And we've yet to see, we've still yet to see in his entire football career, in his whole life, we've yet to see Zach Wilson have a great game against a great defense. We haven't seen it. And if you've never seen it, how could you draft that guy? It's, it's, it's just, it's stupefying. It really is stupefying. And you have to wonder about San Francisco too because we haven't seen it from Trey Lance either, right? If that's the archetype you're looking for, you want the upside of, of super mobility and arm strength and all that, okay, then just go Justin Fields. Why are you making this hard? Why are you trying to prove to the world that you're better at evaluating quarterbacks in a vacuum or at their pro day or while they're warming up, why don't you look at them playing in games against top-level competition like Mac Jones and Justin Fields? There's so much at stake. You can't just shoot for upside like you do in fantasy football all the time. That's the difference where you have to say, how many number two overall picks are we going to have? How many chances at this are we going to have? You can't take the risk that the kid doesn't know how to play against good defenses that he's just a bad decision maker, period, or that this year of what you want to call productive struggle isn't actually productive, that it breaks him mentally. It might, ha I don't know what's going to happen. I know that Mac Jones can't be broken mentally because you can't break a computer mentally. That I know. <laughs> I just can't. Go back and look at the draft. Go back and look at where Zach Wilson and Trey Lance went versus Justin Fields and Mac Jones, the guys from Ohio State and Alabama that were proven against. NFL caliber talents in the opposing defenses. And someone explained to me how you can push the button on a Zach Wilson. Oh, because I saw him flick the ball, the flick of the wrist. It's so good. Do you see him flick the wrist against South Carolina State? So dumb. It's just, it's so cavalier. And then, oh, Tony Romo, uh, Zach Wilson has Dan Marino-like upside. Yeah, Dan Marino-like upside. Yeah, Dan Marino-like upside on his way to going 19 of 33 with four interceptions, could have been six easily. <laughs> I mean, that's the takeaway. NFL general managers are 
ego-soaked, cavalier assholes that deserve to be loathed by their fans. This is a lot of NFL general managers. They deserve this. They deserve this. And then the media partners with the NFL teams to conceal what was just a catastrophic decision to go with Zach Wilson when you had proven performers at the position available. Every type of player you could have wanted, whatever your sensibility is, there were options. And yet you go Zach Wilson. And it don't, don't worry, don't worry. The New York media will come to your rescue, Jets front office, and hype all these players, puff pieces every day on everybody to gaslight your fans on what was just an abysmal decision. And Thor Nystrom came on and he said it. Like, he said it straight ahead. He didn't hedge at all. He said, Zach Wilson is not nearly the quarterback that Mac Jones is. And anyone that drafts him in the top five is making a catastrophic mistake. Because maybe he's good, maybe he's not, but he's a black box player, and you don't use a second overall pick on a black box player who we've never seen play well against a great defense in college. It's just irresponsible, period. And you just don't want to invest in players in the AFC East or the NFC East or the AFC North as much as you're investing in the NFC West. See, that's it. That's the spot. That's the spot. I was touting the NFC East. I was wrong. I should have been touting the NFC West. We knew it would be the most competitive division. I just didn't know it would have such bad defenses. I had no idea. Seattle's defense is going to be a problem. And that's how Russell Wilson can can finish as the number one quarterback in fantasy is that their defense is just this bad. They're getting torched through the air. They're getting torched on the ground. Seattle just getting torched every which way. They're just bad. And it's going to force Russell Wilson to cook all year. Congratulations, everyone that has Russell Wilson. We were only emphasizing Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett stacks all offseason as our number one quarterback wide receiver stacks. That's all. That's the only thing we were doing. Yeah, that's it. No big deal. And is it about Tyler Lockett's ability? Is it about Russell Wilson's ability? No. That's the counterintuitive thing. It's about the defense. The defense stinks. Look at Arizona. Look at their secondary. Yes, they have a, an imposing front seven, but they have Robert Alford, Marco Wilson, Byron Murphy's their best corner. He's a slot corner. When your best corner is a slot corner, you're in trouble. They're in real trouble. San Francisco, they're rolling out Josh Norman. Right? And, and how do you not go back to Quez Watkins? Right? They should have gone back to Quez Watkins. The fact that Quez Watkins burns their cornerbacks deep in the first half and then doesn't get a target in the second half was just irresponsible. It was irresponsible coaching by the Philadelphia Eagles that you wouldn't go back to Quez Watkins. What are you doing? But it's every defense. It's every defense out there. It's the Rams. It's the Cardinals. It's the Seahawks. It's the 49ers. They're all worse than advertised. And you look at San Francisco, you're like, oh, well, you know, they had such an easy schedule. No. 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 Facing bad teams does not equal good schedule. Right? Bad teams does not mean good schedule. Just ask George Kittle. Just ask Brandon Ayuk. Whether facing bad teams is good for your fantasy production. It ain't. That ain't it. Right? 
you want to face great quarterbacks with a bad secondary. So if you're DeAndre Hopkins or you're Rondale Moore, you love that every week you're going to be facing Russell Wilson, Matthew Stafford, and that your secondary is Robert Alford and Marco Wilson. That you love. See, that's the ticket. That's the golden ticket. That's the upside that Rondale Moore brings to the table. This is why I inserted Rondale Moore into a lineup at the final hour on Sunday. I was like, you know what? I'm benching Marquez Calloway. I don't like these game conditions at all. I'm benching Marquez Calloway because I don't like Sam Darnold. And I don't think Sam Darnold can create a shootout game environment. Turns out it was actually Jameis Winston that couldn't create the shootout game environment. And it was the opposing corners shutting down Marquez Calloway that helped to drag the whole game into the mud. Whereas you knew that Arizona-Minnesota was going to shoot out because, of course, it was. Of course, Kirk Cousins is going to be able to do whatever he wants against those corners. And then, of course, Kyler Murray is going to do whatever he wants, and they're going to be both be doing whatever they want all game. This is what you want. And this is every week in the NFC West. This is every week in the NFC West. Pass funnel defense, pass funnel defense, pass funnel defense. The Rams got shredded by Michael Pittman and gave up a touchdown to Zach Pascal while bottling up Jonathan Taylor. This is what you want, right? The Cardinals, what do they do? They shut down Derrick Henry the week prior. So what is the NFC West doing? This is, this is what we want, right? The NFC West is shutting down Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor, and they're letting K.J. Osborne run wild. This, see that, that is what you want. This is the division to target in DFS. You're going to see a hell of a lot of teams playing the NFC West featured in the lineup genius this week, as well as just the NFC West teams themselves. Speaking of the Cardinals, Arizona needs to stop giving the ball to dusty players. James Conner, A.J. Green, enough. 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 I look up A.J. Green, oh, there's another drop. Oh, I look up, oh, there's James Conner, negative yards. Enough. You have Chase Edmonds. You have Rondale Moore. You have Christian Kirk. Enough! I don't want to see him on the field! What's the point? Cliff Kingsbury. Take your head out of your ass. You got lucky. You got lucky. You had a missed 37-yard field goal. Lucky. Stop relying on luck and just start playing your best players. Give the ball to Chase Edmonds everywhere, not just between the 20s. Enough. A.J. Green, get out of here. Get out of here. But I don't necessarily love the Cardinals heading into week three because first they face Tannehill. Then they face Cousins. Those opposing quarterbacks can create a shootout game environment. Can Trevor Lawrence without LaVisca Chenault, LaVisca Chenault and MRI, anytime you have that word association, player you like and MRI, it's not good. It's not good. You don't love that, right? You don't love that. You're like, oh, i got to play Rondell Moore against the Jaguars. Slow down. That's not necessarily the game environment we're looking for. It would be nice, though, if Rondell Moore had a higher snap share because A.J. Green was playing less. A.J. Green is dust. Rob Gronkowski's not dust, and neither is Leonard Fournette. And you have well-respected fantasy analysts, big, 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 big fantasy shops, claiming Leonard Fournette is replaceable, that he's just a guy, and Rob Gronkowski's dust. And it's like, wait, what? Yeah, okay, A.J. Green's dust. Noted, we know that, right? But not Rob Gronkowski. Like, wait, what? Rob, Rob, Rob Gronkowski's not dust. 
Where, where, where did this come from? This idea that you're not drafting Rob Gronkowski? Remember, Rob Gronkowski decided to come back. We talked about this at length in the offseason. He could have just rode his centaur, right? The vodka centaur. Just rode. He, could just, he himself could have rode himself into the sunset after a Super Bowl. If his body really was broken and didn't have it anymore, and he was just a cardboard cutout end zone target, then he would have just retired. But he didn't. Him not retiring told us he had a lot of Rob Gronkowski juice left. And sure enough, there he goes again, two more touchdowns. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. And Leonard Fournette, another 100% catch rate game. It's almost like he's good. It's almost like whether he starts or not, whether it's, oh, Ronald Jones is starting. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Leonard Fournette's actually good. He has the size, the athleticism, and an all-purpose skill set on the best team in the league. This is how you could finish as an RB1 in fantasy. Just top 12 fantasy season. Just have those attributes on that team. And that's all you need to know. Oh, replaceable. You can't replace that. If Leonard Fournette was so replaceable, then Ronald Jones would be doing what Leonard Fournette's doing. He, he can't. Leonard Fournette's special. I know it's crazy to say, but that's a takeaway. It's a takeaway. Leonard Fournette's special, and he's my number one trade target. Just like last week, it was Cortland Sutton due to the law of the conservation of targets, and Cortland Sutton just being awesome, just having incredible upside because he's one of the most exceptional size-adjusted athletes at the position. This week, I'm going to be going all in trying to get Leonard Fournette. It's a perfect trade target because he hasn't quite hit. Right? He hasn't quite delivered the multi-touchdown game that's out there. That you know he's got... This team is unstoppable. Don't you want their running back? Don't you want their bell cow? Come on, man. Wake up, people. Leonard Fournette's just a guy. Please. Rob Gronkowski's dust. Please. Shameful. Some of the most prestigious fantasy analysts, well-respected analysts out there. Full fade on Fournette, full fade on Gronkowski. Okay, okay. L let me know how that works at the end of the season. Let's ch we'll check in at the end of the season, see how that's working out. Brady is supporting five fantasy-relevant receivers. Can you believe it? Maybe like, oh, it's, it's difficult for a quarterback to sustain uh, three fantasy-relevant wide receivers. Well, Fournette's scoring most of his fantasy points in the passing game right now. With Gronkowski being a top three fantasy tight end, well... That means he's supporting five fantasy-relevant players because we had Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin hit in week one. We had Godwin and Evans hit in week two. It's just, it's, 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 it's so on with this Buccaneers offense. I think that they should just give the Super Bowl trophy. It's a Lombardi trophy. I know what it's called. Just give it to Tom Brady. Just give it to Tom Brady now. I mean, they're going to need so many more injuries. It's not just Sean Murphy bunting. He'll be back later this season, by the way. They need a lot more injuries than that on the defensive side. They need to have their entire offensive line wiped out and their defensive line, and it's not happening, right? There's so many injuries that would need to happen on at the point of attack for Tampa to prevent Tom Brady from hoisting another championship trophy this season. I just don't see it happening. I just think you just give it to him. Just give it to him, right? Livenzo Tube. I don't know who this is. Livenzo Tube on YouTube writes, I'm completely scared of the box. Trading for Fournette is truly calling your shot. I don't know what that means. I When I read that initially, I thought, oh, this guy's trading for Fournette. He's terrified of the box if he's any other team because the Bucks are so good. But no, he's actually terrified of the box and not trading for Fournette. Who, who are you? 
Like, who who is in this audience? I, I just assume that this is like the best of the best fantasy gamers tune in, not the most brain dead. One of the most nonsensical comments I've ever read. Brady's doing it even though it's a myriad of options in Tampa Bay, right? It's not a consolidated target distribution at all. It's the opposite. It's a myriad target distribution, and yet Brady's so prolific, whether it's, oh, 400 yards one week, five touchdowns the next week, he's helping them all get there anyway. In most cases, you want it to be consolidated, and we're, we're seeing, especially in the AFC West, so the NFC West is interesting in that the defenses are all crumbling and they have the worst secondaries, and it's so on. In the AFC West, what we're seeing is target consolidation. Look at the Chargers. You had Eckler going nine for nine, right? Air guitar! Wow! Yeah! Wow, 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 Austin Eckler, baby! 27 of the 41 targets went to three dudes. 66% of the targets went to Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler. That's what you want. You want it down to three dudes. Three superstar players. Now, Mike Williams, not a superstar, but he's certainly playing like it, and he was a top 10 pick. So we need to be open to the idea that he's a top 20 fantasy receiver this year. Just because the targets are consolidated. And the Raiders are better this year. We know how good the Chiefs are. And looks like the Broncos with Teddy Bridgewater have turned a corner. There's going to be a lot of points scored in the AFC West as well. And that's just great for the Chargers with this consolidated target distribution it's so on for Eckler. It's so on for Mike Williams. And you got to go back to Keenan Allen next week because we know that Trayvon Diggs is one of the top corners in the league. He gets away from Trayvon Diggs. Sutton's in this in this division, right? Denver has a consolidated target distribution, even more consolidated than the Chargers. It's just down to Sutton and Fant. No one else had more than four targets last week. It was just Sutton and Fant. Sutton and Fant while Judy's out. Sutton and Fant. And when Judy comes back, it'll be those three guys. And Albert Akui Budum. Oh, looked pretty good. Right? He was four for four with a touchdown. Hello! Right? So, Akui Budum, excellent stash, especially in tight end premium dynasty leagues. You want Akui Budum. But for now, it's it's all about Fant. It's all about Sutton. We're, we're going to have a lot of Fant moving forward because of this consolidated target distribution in DFS. We're not seeing it in Vegas, though. So you have consolidated targets in Los Angeles with the Chargers. You have it now in Denver in an extreme way. And you have it in Kansas City in an extreme way. Where unless you're going to bracket and take away Hill, Mahomes is just going to lock in on Kelsey Hill, Kelsey Hill, Kelsey Hill. And we're fortunate that the Chiefs are on the main slate in Week 3. And most lineups in the lineup genius, I can tell you already, spoiler alert, Homemade sound effect. Right? You got to love it. You got to love it. You're going to see a Hill or a Kelsey in almost every lineup, right? Because Mahomes is going to be priced way up, as he always is, you could still get exposure to the Chiefs offense with either a Kelsey or a Hill and no Mahomes. So you just sprinkle naked Hill, Kelsey, Hill, Kelsey, Hill, Kelsey. That's the beauty of a consolidated target distribution. And we're not quite seeing that in Vegas. I wish we were seeing it everywhere. We're not. I think next week we're going to see more Brian Edwards because they, they finally got past this incredibly difficult start to the season against 
the Ravens and the Steelers, and they win both games. I mean, amazing. Just amazing job. Congratulations. John Gruden proving everybody wrong. But in week two, we saw too much Renfro, too much Drake. We can't say that those are... I was hoping it would be consolidated, but we just can't say that it is, unfortunately. It is in Jacksonville, though. Consolidated target distribution now in Jacksonville. If Chenault misses time, I hate it. I hate people missing time, especially players we love like LaVisca Chenault. But I do like a consolidated target distribution. And we know the Arizona secondary is weak. So you're going to see a lot of Chark and a lot of Marvin Jones this week. Chark, Jones, Jones, Chark, Chark, Jones, Jones, Chark. That's the move. And if you want a fringe option, I think that Tyron Johnson outplays Laquan Treadwell and company in practice. I think that Urban Meyer looks up and he wants to reward the best player, and that's got to be Tyron Johnson. I think that he's in play to be the number three in Jacksonville in very deep leagues, trying to get Tyron Johnson, assuming LaVisca misses time, sadly. I'm hoping that Roger Saffold doesn't miss time. Roger Saffold left with a shoulder injury. This is what we were worried about with the Titans. It's manifest. Unfortunately, Taylor Lewin, inactive, re-injured his knee in warm-ups. Roger Saffold out. So the strength of that offensive line is crumbling all around it. It's a problem. This is how Derrick Henry doesn't get to 2,000 yards. No running back's ever done it twice. And one of the reasons why is the fragility of offensive lines. I was worried about this. The idea that the Titans could go three years with relative continuity on the offensive line, just having Taylor Lewin miss games along the way, but otherwise a healthy, productive, efficient offensive line, great run blocking and pass blocking, that can never last forever. It's always fleeting. Just ask the Raiders. We're seeing it already. Saffold misses time. Lewin misses more time. Things will start to crumble. It's bad for Tannehill. It's bad for Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry's going to rip our face off here and there. It's going to happen. It's, it's going to happen. Oh, well. Right? Oh, well. We, we have decided that it's going to be those weeks that we sacrifice for the greater good of winning money in DFS. Now, you can, in PPR leagues, in... DFS platforms that are full PPR like DraftKings, you could play Derrick Henry. Certainly we were playing him on FanDuel, duh, but not on DraftKings. We're not going to do it. So we had some fun lineups hit on FanDuel because of Derrick Henry, but not on DraftKings. And, and that's just what you can expect moving forward. The beauty is with our optimizer, you can go to our optimizer, you can plug in Derrick Henry, and you can see the best lineups with Derrick Henry, and you can play those. If you don't agree with this philosophy, you can play those lineups. Go ahead. Go ahead. Even if he's missing two or three starting offensive linemen, go ahead. I give you permission. Go ahead. Go ahead. And we're going to keep skinny stacking slot receivers against the Colts with Jonathan Taylor. It didn't work out. We had one side of the skinny stack with Cooper Cup in week two, but... Jonathan Taylor did not hit. Oh, well. Oh, well. What do you want me to do? Jonathan Taylor is a transcendent talent, and we're going to keep playing him. And this week, who do the Colts play? The Titans. Who's their slot flanker? A.J. Brown. Are you going to see some Jonathan Taylor, A.J. Brown, skinny stacks in the lineup genius? Fuck yeah. Fire them up, baby. I'm fired up to get those fired up. 
And I had a conversation midweek about KJ Osborne and whether or not we're going to include him in lineups. And then we just couldn't fit him in because there were too many inexpensive options that projected to command higher target shares that had upside based on what we saw in week one. Anthony Schwartz, for example, didn't fire. Rondale Moore did fire. It happens, right? KJ Osborne is dreamy. And that was what I said. I, 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 I threw this out there to Josh Larkey. I said, you know what? I know that he's considered a fringe play this week, especially because we, we talked about it earlier. The one strength of the Cardinals secondary is their slot corner. So, you know, KJ Osborne is going to be in the slot as much as he's going to be outside. Don't love it, but maybe he shakes loose deep for a touchdown. That, that's what happened, right? That's what happened. And I said, listen. I just feel like good-looking players play better. <laughs> I just, I don't know if there's any data on this. And, and, and Josh is like, no, there is data on this. There is data on this. It's, it's, it, it, there's been studies done on this. And good-looking players play better. They perform better. And I was like, you're fucking with me. That's not true. That's, there's no way. And I go to KJ Osborne on playerprofiler.com. Man, man, this dude is handsome. He looks great. Look at him. Look at this guy. Tell me this guy's not dreamy. He's six foot two oh three. He has 72nd percentile speed and burst. And my favorite thing about him, my favorite thing about him, you have to know, over a thousand special teams yards in college. This is what I love about KJ Osborne. And this is why, even though he's comparable to Olubisi Johnson and other players like that, you know, Trent Sherfield, players like that, I like him better because he was more productive on special teams and he has the size. Unlike other players that are you know, 180 pounds, if you're 180 pounds and you don't run a 4-3 something, I'm not interested. But you can run a 4-4-7 and be 200 plus pounds and operate all over the field. Like you could play flanker or slot, right? A stretch Z is a perfect position for KJ Osborne and that's where they have him playing, right? If, if you're playing next to Adam Thielen, you're playing off Adam Thielen, you're going to get targets. And if you're that good looking, you're going to even more targets. And I just regret that I didn't pound the table more for KJ Osborne, just based on the good looks, just based on the good looks and the injury to Irv Smith. So the Irv Smith injury opened up slot snaps for both KJ Osborne and Adam Thielen. So Adam Thielen's feasting even more this year than he would have because of the Irv Smith injury. It's the law of the conservation of slot targets and slot snaps. But also because he's so damn good looking, I just, you know, I feel I feel bad. I feel like I fucked up. Now, no one will admit it, right? No one will admit that I fucked up. Everyone's like, you're fine. You know, because I'm like, God, I should have, I should have, should have been more bullish on KJ Osborne, especially after week one. It's like, hey, let's see, he's a fringy option. Amir Smith-Marset has that job. In the long run, he's a better prospect. What did you really expect? Big plays, splashy touchdowns. The dude takes his helmet off and it's just like, you know, his hair flows and it's just like, oh my God, this is, I, I feel uncomfortable right now. I feel a little bit like lightheaded. Look at this guy. I promise you, the audience, that I am going to plant my flag harder. That didn't sound right okay let me say that again let me start over i promise that i'm going to tout these players harder 
I promise that I'm going to be more enthusiastic about players like K.J. Osborne in the future. The breakout finder liked him. Frank Licatos, our head of tech, has had K.J. Osborne rostered in Dynasty since last year. And I said, why don't you drop this guy? He's like the breakout finder. He's like, you and Josh talk about the breakout finder all the time, and yet you guys don't actually pick up guys like K.J. Osborne that are scoring well in the breakout finder because of their special teams contribution and their athleticism. And I was like, uh, that's a good point. Uh, I guess I should have paid more attention to that. And uh, I got to get the breakout finder and pay more attention, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Fuck. He's had him. And he started him this week. The dude started KJ Osborne. Put your hands together for Frank Licato starting AJ. Hey, at least someone at this company believed. Josh and I weren't ready to put him in lineups. Frank Licato's believed. Credit, credit, credit where credit's due. I am worried about Miles Sanders. It's another takeaway. The reason why I'm worried is Kenny Gainwell had another touchdown called back. What's going on? He actually out-touched Kenny Gainwell more in week two than he did in week one, which is fine, but he's losing possible targets to Jalen Hurts' runs. The whole offense is being dragged down by Jalen Hurts and all his running. It's the same reason why we weren't as bullish on the Ravens' offense as others. It's the same thing. And I knew this. In the back of my head, I knew this. I was like, listen, I, I want to be all in on Miles Sanders. And all offseason, I couldn't quite get all in on him. Once he fell into the fifth round, then I was like, okay, he's definitely the best running back in the fifth round. No question. Especially after the Travis Etienne injury. It's like, okay, this is good. Right? This is good. This, had, this guy has upside. But he's getting a target. A target. Because... The most mobile quarterbacks, the guys that are running for 100 yards a game, oftentimes, whether it be Lamar Jackson, whether it be Jalen Hurts, instead of dropping it off to the running back, they're going to pull it down and run. He's losing targets because of Jalen Hurts. I knew it. I knew it. And yet I was like, the explosiveness will overcome it. The lack of other weaponry in the passing game will overcome it, right? He's got to be a featured weapon in the passing game all they have is Devonte smith and even Devonte smith's gonna be throttled by this they're all gonna be throttled by this that for every drop back you have to allocate a significant portion of those dropbacks to quarterback rushes that just pulls targets out of the offense so it's a reason why miles sanders was never going to be an rb1 rb2 ceiling that's it that's it we this it's official i, I needed to see it for myself I needed to see it. Now we've seen it. Two weeks is enough. For now, I've seen it, and I'm like, okay. We have a Lamar Jackson situation here. Okay. Okay. He's essentially being J.K. Dobbins. And, and we like J.K. Dobbins because he is this super explosive athlete who is electric everywhere. Well, so is Miles Sanders. You still like him. It's just the ceiling isn't there. And that's okay. That, that's okay. That's okay. I still think the ceiling is there for Zeke, though. I really do. I really do. I'm, I'm still a believer in Zeke, even though I think, oh, well, you just said Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard dance party's coming. What about the Tony Pollard thing? You love Tony Pollard. How can you also love Zeke? You can love both. You just don't draft both. But I have either Zeke or Pollard, which means I have a hell of a lot more Pollard than I have Zeke. So I love seeing Pollard going over 20 points. But at the same time, I also know that the Cowboys just face the two best front sevens they're going to face all year. 
You go against all those werewolves in Los Angeles, and before that it was Tampa. What do you think Zeke's going to do? He's going to underwhelm, right? And yet he was still productive in week two. It's only going to get better. And the Cowboys alluded to this. They alluded to this in the broadcast as well, that the coaches told the broadcasters, watch out for more Tony Pollard. You're going to see a lot more Tony Pollard than you're used to seeing early in the season because of the 17-game schedule. We talked about this. Nate Liss and I talked about this at length when discussing Tony Pollard, that the 17-game schedule will likely incentivize teams with aging running backs that believe they're headed to the playoffs, they're destined for the playoffs. These teams are going to slow play their bell cows early in the season like Ezekiel Elliott. You're going to see more Pollard. Pollard's going to have standalone value because of the 17-game schedule. And then now you hear the coaches saying that to the broadcasters verbatim. But I think as the season goes on, Ezekiel Elliott's opportunity share is going to rise. Tony Pollard will still have usable weeks. There's still the possibility that Ezekiel Elliott gets an injury, and then Tony Pollard is like a top-five running back in fantasy. So I still love Tony Pollard for all the reasons we love Tony Pollard. How about them Cowboys? But while last week... You weren't able to get Zeke in trade because there's just one week and no one's going to give up their first round pick after just one week. Understood, right? Well, this week, it's now two consecutive weeks where Ezekiel Elliott has underwhelmed and this time Pollard actually scored more fantasy points and had an almost equivalent opportunity share. Now you're going to see a handful of fantasy gamers putting Ezekiel Elliott on the block, and if they do, I would pounce. Facing bad teams does not equal good schedule. Look at look at what the, the Patriots did. I know it's Zach Wilson, and, and he's probably not that good. Him and his mom, overrated. 